Hey, it's Angel, your friendly neighborhood doula. I am so excited to have you here on the Birth Cafe podcast. Here, we'll talk about all things birth, pregnancy, and postpartum. As a certified doula, lactation counselor, and perinatal educator, I hope to provide you evidence-based information on interesting topics while also having fun and open conversations about the perinatal period. This podcast is for birth professionals and parents alike, and I hope that you enjoy what you hear. So grab your favorite cup of tea or coffee, sit down, get comfy, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Birth Cafe podcast. It's your angel, uh, your host, Angel, as a matter of fact. And today we are going to be talking about, I feel like is a pretty hot topic, but I definitely think it's one that needs to have uh, a broader conversation. Like we should really talk more about why some women choose not to have anyone attend their birth. It's also known as a free birth or an unassisted birth, Um, but there are women out there who do choose not to have like a midwife or an OBGYN at their birth um, and for a variety of different reasons. So we're going to go into this topic and dive deep into this topic topic today, and I have a special guest with me to actually discuss this topic. Um, Her name is Aaliyah Wright, and she is a doula, um, and I am really excited to have her on this podcast because she does have a lot of information on this topic um, and a lot of insight on this topic. So hi, Aaliyah. How are you? Hello. I'm well. Yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, how did you come into the birth world and, you know, all that good stuff? Okay. Um, you said I'm Leah Wright. I have three children. Um, one is special needs, and he's 13. And I have two toddlers. Um, I free birth or unassisted birthed both my toddlers. Um, with just me and my husband at our house. And um, I got into birth work um, back in 2012 slash 2013-ish, somewhere around there. Um, So just about 10 years ago, when I supported a friend at the end of her pregnancy, because she had like her doctor trying to convince her that she should induce and do all these things and telling her her blood pressure was high. And we were like going to, I don't know, like CVS or whatever, like checking her blood pressure. It is like, it's normal. I don't understand why your doctor is telling you that. So we kind of were researching together and I um, helped her advocate. And then she ended up agreeing to an induction at, I think it was like 40 weeks and a couple days at least. Um, just because the pressure was so frustrating (laughs) and it was her first baby we were pretty young like uh her baby daddy wasn't in the picture i think he was maybe like even in jail or something crazy so it was a whole like thing so she agreed to that and then um i thought i was just gonna go be with her for like maybe an hour or two in her birth and i ended up like not being able to leave i was like i just can't do that and so then fast forward 
to, that was like in the summer. Fast forward to October that year, another friend of mine was going to a retreat at Ina May's farm. I only knew of the farm from the business of being born, but like I was always super interested in labor and delivery. I was in college for that. At the time I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go to this like breastfeeding retreat, learn how to teach breastfeeding classes and it'll look good whenever I'm like applying for a job in labor and delivery, it'll be great. And then I got there and I met like three lactation consultants, two doulas, um, like other birth workers and herbalists. Like there was just, it was a whole nother world just was opened up to me. I was like, oh, people do all of this stuff like completely not related to anything medical. And then just being at the farm and like, I just started exploring um, what was right for me and like learning about my intuition and like how I had been using it, but not really, uh, it hadn't been very developed or um, I hadn't really honed in on it. And so then 2013, took a doula training that really felt like I didn't learn anything, uh, <laughs> which was also frustrating. But it was a good experience because it was, you know, the, it was like the type of doula training that was like a retreat. So it was at a retreat center in Florida. So it was nice, but like, I didn't really feel like I was learning anything new. And so, um, came back from that, started a doula business in Atlanta with friends that I met along those few months. And, um, that's how it began. That's how all of it began. Wow, that's quite a story. And it's, it's, I totally relate to the birth doula training story where it's like you go in and you're like, okay, um, <laughs> what do I do now? Kind of idea. <laughs> and wait, how do I do this again? Yeah, that's so relatable. Um, yeah. And I think that's really cool that you were able to be at these births. And um, it's, I think it's also really funny how a lot of us who are called into birth had one idea of what we were going to do with our lives and it turns into something completely different. I actually went to school for veterinary technology and here I am. <laughs> here I am doing birth work and I get to chat with amazing people like you. So that's really awesome. Um, and so what kind of got me really interested? Obviously, you were in Birth Worker Academy, which uh, I was able to do on a, a training at Birth Worker Academy with Kylie. And you were one of the mentors and you did an amazing job at like mentoring everyone and supporting everyone. But you also had such unique views on birth that I absolutely love. Um, <laughs> and I actually recently had a client who, she wanted to not deliver at a hospital. And here in Cleveland, Ohio, we don't actually have a lot of options. Like we don't have a free uh, standing birth center. Um, we've had like birth centers attached to the hospital. I mean, but that's a whole nother, <laughs> whole nother story. Um, so really it comes down to if you don't want to deliver in a hospital, you either have a home birth or for the ones that people consider brave, um, they have, have a, an unassisted or free birth. 
And I had a client who recently was like, okay, I want a doula and I want a midwife, but honestly, I don't think I can afford a midwife. And she's like, I don't want to go into the hospital. And if I can't get a midwife, then I'm just going to do my own thing at home. And I was just like, oh, okay. And I, <laughs> and I don't have a whole lot of knowledge on free birth or unassisted births. And I feel like, you know, I have nothing like negative to say about it. I think it's a woman's like birth choice. And I think it's a wonderful thing. I've had and heard stories of people doing it and it ends up being awesome. But I was just like, okay, this is the first time I've been a doula and in this situation. And she actually was able to get a, a midwife. However, um, she actually ended up having an unassisted birth on accident. <laughs> it ended up being perfectly fine, a beautiful, healthy baby and things like that. So, you know, let's talk about what is an unassisted birth or free birth? Like, what is that? Right. So like you said, some people have unassisted births on accident. Like typically that's what you hear about is like, oh, the midwife didn't make it. Oh, we were on our way to the hospital. Oh, we were getting everything ready to go to the hospital and we didn't make it out the house. And so then we called 911 and whatever, we had an unassisted birth. And it's literally just, there's no medical provider present um, is the most simplified way to um to explain what an unassisted birth is um now women who plan unassisted births um it can look so different in so many ways it can be an unassisted birth with a birth keeper or someone like a traditional midwife who may have medical training, right? I mean, even me as a doula, I have medical training in some things. CPR is technically medical training. I've been to neonatal resuscitation training. Like I have medical training um, in certain things, but we are not acting in a medical role in unassisted birth. It's a very hands-off um type of support that a woman would be giving in an unassisted birth. So there are some women who choose to have someone present. It's not like, oh, you just are having a free birth or unassisted birth means you're birthing alone. Um, it means that there's not an actual medical provider who is managing your labor and birth. Awesome. Well, why would someone want a free birth? Like, what is usually the reason why a mom may choose not to have a medical provider at her birth or choose not to, you know, go into the hospital? Yeah, there are, I would say, three main reasons that I witness or um, hear of. And the first one is just, you know, the woman knows about birth to some capacity and knows that it is a natural physiological process and is deciding to trust her body to do that. Um, and it can be that simple, right? It could also be that she had a traumatic experience in a hospital or with a midwife, even at a home birth, and she's choosing now to make a different decision that she hopes or, or thinks or knows will get her a birth that is 
either pretty boring <laughs> or ecstatic and orgasmic and all the other things that it could be um, when there's not people witnessing you. Um, and then there are the people who literally choose unassisted birth or free birth because they can't afford a home birth midwife and they refuse to go to a hospital. And all three of those reasons are good reasons. <laughs> uh, a lot of people will say things like, oh, if she's only having an unassisted birth because she can't afford or find a midwife, she shouldn't have an unassisted birth. And I'm like, that's wrong. <laughs> that's, that's not true. Like uh, any person could have an unassisted birth uh, it really is relinquishing control of the situation um, and trusting that your body is gonna give birth and uh, you're gonna your instincts are gonna know you're gonna know what to do instinctually. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so those are the three main reasons. I mean, there are other reasons in there, like some people, may just uh, live a more natural lifestyle. And so it, it just falls in line. Um, even though a lot of people who live a more natural lifestyle will choose a midwife or a traditional birth attendant or some of some, someone to be there with them. So right. it may not be completely unassisted. Um, that's just what I've seen and read and heard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know, when, people talk about unassisted birth, especially one that's done on purpose, right? There is usually a very strong reaction from people in the medical field, even from some doulas. Um, there are some doula training organizations that absolutely do not support free birth and, or, you know, an unassisted birth um, and require that their doulas not support them at all. So where do you think some of this fear comes from? Um, I, nobody's going to like this answer. I think it, <laughs> it either comes from like fear of legalities or like still thinking something is likely going to go wrong, um, which is almost never the case. <laughs> and then fear that, um, that moms just don't know what to do. Um, like it is actually like, the conditioning has worked <laughs> yes. um, and women, doulas, doctors, midwives do not think that the woman's body knows what to do to bring a baby to this world safely. Mm -hmm. um, you'll hear the word safe thrown around a lot. And it, it just is so bizarre to me because when a birth just happens mm -hmm. people are shocked and i'm just like how are you shocked <laughs> like why like it's that's what it's supposed to do why do you need to know or why do you need to think you know that everything is okay when most of the time it's okay mm -hmm. uh, it's almost like that saying um like no news is good news. Like when, when, when you're worried about someone and you haven't heard from them, it's like, okay, I haven't heard anything. That means they're usually fine. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So 
it's almost like that situation where it's um where you want validation that everything is going okay in a process that always will go okay if you just stop needing the validation <laughs> yeah yeah um, <laughs> it's so, so funny too because you know like i see childbirth education and things like that and one of the huge fears which i just find so interesting is that people are just totally afraid to have their baby not in a hospital like it'll be like well my worst fear is that like i have a, my baby on the side of the road or like accidentally at home and i'm just like so what's the worst thing that would happen <laughs> and you have your baby yeah. and then what yeah nothing, nothing going to happen unless you choose for something else yeah. to happen <laughs> i actually had someone say like well it's they're gonna be born in like a not sterile environment and i'm like well i mean birth is not very sterile at all like we've got you know vagina juices we've got poop going on we've got sweat going on like none and of that super important though exactly. for the health which obviously you like the microbiome so you know like yes. Yes. how how good all of that is and it's funny because my um it's funny that that came up like poop and stuff um that <laughs> is born with an intestine disease and so we've talked about and researched uh intestine transplants and fecal transplant transplants and like all of that also relates to the microbiome and your immune system and like for a long time his immune system never even worked like he would never get a fever he could have the worst infection he had terrible like infections and he would never get a fever and it was because his immune system literally just didn't work but it was related to his gut so yeah, it's funny that people say, oh, it's um, it's not sterile, or what if they're not breathing, or what if I uh, don't know what to do with the cord, or what about my placenta or the afterbirth, or what if I bleed out? And I'm like, there are literally regions and countries of women who don't even know the thing that we call postpartum hemorrhage. They just don't experience it. It's not a thing. And so you have to look at that and be like, why not? What's the difference? The difference is there's nobody there messing with anything. Right. <laughs> They're right. not experiencing all these things you're afraid of because nobody's doing all of these things to their births. Mm -hmm. They're just having their babies. Right. And then as soon as you start introducing outside people, outside uh, monitoring or checking for this and checking for that and now you're second guessing this perfect process and now you're trying to control this perfect process that nobody needed to control and nobody has no business controlling right. now you're seeing all the scary shit pop up excuse my language but like <laughs> everything scary comes from when you start messing with it yes absolutely you see women have free births or unassisted births of breech babies and nobody's telling them like wait don't touch the baby don't move your body nobody's telling them what to do and what do they do they birth their baby it's not that that complicated if you don't make it complicated and yeah. so back to your original question of like where does this fear come from it really comes from a place of what I hate to say is like ignorance of you don't know 
that the process doesn't need anything. And if you do know that the process doesn't need anything and you still are choosing to do stuff to it and to mess with women and to mess with babies and to think that you know better what position they should be in or uh, what time they should be born, then that's when the, the really scary stuff that you fear actually then happens. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and like even going back to like you talking about like postpartum hemorrhaging. So like met, like a lot of times postpartum hemorrhaging happens when we start excessively messing with things. Um, one of the things that like really, really bothers me is the provider pulling on the placenta. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I like that bothers me so much. One of the reasons is because it, it, it significantly increases the mom's risk of bleeding out and the placenta not coming out in one piece and then right. we have placenta left in right. and post yeah. increasing postpartum hemorrhaging even though it's supposed to not do that. You and I as doulas witnessing this happening yes. in, in a hospital, right? We're seeing them pull on the cord and we're like, okay, if you and I have done enough research to know that this causes problems, why can't this person who's supposed to be the expert in this, why can't mm. they know that? Why don't they know that? Yes. Why, why don't they know that what they're doing is harmful? Yes. Causing the problems that then they have to save someone from, or is it that they do know and then they do it anyway? And so that's where, you know, my own uh, issues come up <laughs> and why I, personally decided to stop attending hospital births and uh, choose to be super selective about home birth midwives as well, just because it doesn't make sense why these things are done. Um, there is no rush. Uh, if you're in any like free birth support group, unassisted support group, you will see a range of my placenta came out immediately, like with the baby to my placenta came out a whole 24 hours later mm. and that's such a wide range of like healthy and normal women not experiencing any issues with those two variations and everything in between um that you have to sit there and think like okay so why does a provider in a hospital or a practitioner in a hospital insist that the placenta be out within the first hour Mm -hmm. insist yeah. to the point of pulling it out themselves right. Insist to the point of injecting the mother with Pitocin artificial hormones to get it to come out. Right. Like why? So <laughs> that's always my question. Um, even when advocating for my, my son, my special needs son, Oh, we want to, you know, we think we should do this or we think that you guys should consider this procedure. And my question is always like, well, why? What, what benefit? And then also, what if we do nothing? Why? Yeah. Like, why are why do we feel the need to do anything at yeah. this point? Um, and I think a lot of people would, uh, would benefit from just asking why. Like, I don't even encourage my clients to go straight to just saying no to their doctor. I just always say, like, just start asking them why. 
start asking them questions about what they're saying and you will see the either defense come on or like they literally will tell you they don't know and they'll have to get back to you. Yes. <laughs> um, and so when you start advocating for yourself, that also comes up. I know that was like a random tangent, but <laughs> just asking why it, it, it leads you down a whole path of like, okay, if you keep asking why you're going to land on unassisted birth just makes sense. Like, if you keep asking, why does this person need to be here? Or why do I need to do this thing? Or why does, uh, why do I need to go to this place? The you're going to end up back at, Oh, free birth, unassisted birth makes the most sense for most people. Um, especially most people who want a unmedicalized birth, um, or natural birth. They're saying that's what they want. And then you just start asking, why are you making this decision? Why are you making that decision? It always comes back to, okay, so this is actually an option for you. <laughs> right. Um, have you considered it? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And it just kind of goes back to, you know, our society's just distrust of the human body's ability to just cope with a variety of different things. I mean, we and, and really this conversation can just go across the board on like every single aspect of health and, and things like that. But even when we're talking about birth specifically, like the body has like natural coping mechanisms to prevent things like um, hemorrhaging and things like that. Like, oh, you put the baby on skin to skin. Guess what happens? Your body automatically produces natural oxytocin to close the to contract the uterus to prevent excessive bleeding to get the placenta out so why are we you know doing these excessive things why are we intervening why are we injecting because the body already does it anyway it's fascinating the first time i seen a breast crawl i was like oh the baby's feet do the little fundal massage yes. as crawling, and as they're moving around right there they're doing the fundal massage mm -hmm. that people take to the extreme right <laughs> Yeah. Oh gosh, the postpartum massage is the worst. Well, like oh my time after I saw a breast crawl, I was like, wow, imagine like how much more gentle and calm yes. and everything still it's still the same idea, but in such a more gentle and calm, instinctual, natural way, the 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 thing still happens, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody is still putting that pressure on top of your fundus right there's still pressure being applied encouraging it to shrink down but it's just more gentle and um you don't even have to think about it because yeah. that's what your baby is instinctually trying to do crawl your breast that's what you're instinctually trying to do feed them and then each and every single part of that goes into yes. encouraging your placenta to come out and your uterus to go back down yes. <laughs> the breastfeeding the baby on your, your like it just all goes together so perfectly and it's like there doesn't need to be anyone else yeah you yeah. don't need to check and do all these things i've seen like even midwives aggressively like grabbing the top of a woman's uterus while she's trying to establish like a, a first latch <laughs> and like just 
oh, I need to make sure that your uterus is going down. And I'm like, do you need to make sure? So, or again, why? <laughs> why do you need right. to make sure of this right now? Um, could it wait? Or what are you scared of? And so it's always like a fear that someone else has put onto the woman. It's not usually the woman's fear herself. Right. And uh, it's it, it's kind of um, oxymoronic, I think is the word I want to use, when you talk about like birth without fear and we're doing childbirth classes and we're learning like, you know, fear doesn't serve the woman who's in labor, but then every other person who is in the room is afraid or preventing something that they're afraid of or thinking that they're preventing something they're afraid of. You're afraid that your baby is going to be born still. You're afraid that you're going to bleed out and die or something like there's still fear present in other people, even if you yourself are not afraid of these things. And so the energy of fear and the hormones that that brings is still being um, entered into your space. Right. Yeah. And, you know, even like when we talk about like, you know, people being usually I, I know that moms are afraid of like something, you know, bad happening to them and them dying. But also that fear comes into like a baby. Like, what if my baby comes out not breathing? And there's actually you probably have seen like badass mother birther. She has like a really interesting story of how her baby was born and um, needed a little bit of resuscitation. However, um, how they did it was truly amazing. And I actually recently put a post out there um, about how skin to skin is actually better than the incubator skin. To, I, and I can, I can confidently say that skin to skin saves lives. Yeah. It saves lives. Um, it saves babies' lives. And that's something else to kind of just even consider and think about um, when moms are, you know, deciding whether or not they want to have an unassisted birth is that if if something, you know, where baby comes out and it's not breathing right away, which is also kind of, you know, that's also pretty normal. Not all babies come out just instantly breathing and takes them a second. But um, how, how amazing skin to skin is and reviving babies and getting babies to, you know, come to and um, start breathing and things like that is also really, really amazing because that just doesn't happen in the hospital, right? We're yeah, taking babies away. <laughs> opportunity for that to happen. And yeah. it was it was really eye-opening when I did take the neonatal resuscitation training because what she said was uh, some babies just take a minute, not even a second a minute do you know like how long a minute is right when you're waiting for someone to breathe my oldest son has seizures i have timed his seizures 15 seconds feels like 15 minutes like <laughs> you can't do anything and so when you say some babies just take a minute like they literally do and funny enough my um my middle child my first unassisted birth he was not crying or making any sounds. I'm not going to say he wasn't breathing or trying to breathe because he obviously was. It was just so calm. And so we were kind of like, should we arouse him or like try and get him to cry? 
um, because he was just so calm and he didn't cry and he like wasn't really opening his eyes that much. He was really like calm when he first came out. And I mean, it was the first five minutes, within the first five minutes of us like, okay, he's on my chest. Okay, he's not crying. He looks fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, is he awake? And I'm just like, had him on my chest. We put some blankets to try and like dry him. Cause obviously that's what I knew, like drying them and then, uh, arousing them by talking to them or rubbing them gently and, you know, encouraging them. And I was like talking to him and I was like, Hey, can you just let me know you're good? You want to like make a sound? <laughs> Um, you may be perfectly fine, but I can't really tell from here. <laughs> and, um, we actually ended up laying him on the side of the birth pool on top of a blanket, just laying him flat. And I like rubbed his chest one time and I was like, can you say something? And he goes, Wah! and then that was it. Like he didn't make another sound after that. And I was like, all right, he's good. Like, and I'll put him back. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like. I can't imagine what someone else would have done. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, and my husband is like the most calm person ever. So obviously he was just like, I don't know. I didn't think anything of it. <laughs> I just thought he was just, you know, chilling. He was fine. Uh, yeah. He doesn't freak out about anything ever either. So um, that was, he was an amazing support, but it, I can't imagine like having, someone else there, even like a home birth midwife would have felt the need to have her hands in there aggressively on the feet. You know, they, they try and do it like subtly, but it's still pretty aggressive on the feet. Like why? <laughs> yeah. uh, it, again, they don't, they don't want something to be wrong. And I get it that sometimes there are things that are wrong, but most of the time there's nothing wrong. So why are we acting like there could be something wrong all the time um, is always like my question. Yeah. I'm supporting someone or supporting someone who has a midwife. Those are just the subtle things that I observe where I'm like, I wouldn't even like, I don't, I don't think I would touch my baby like that ever. You know? right. <laughs> and yeah. so you see the extreme of like the hospital where they're like arousing the baby, like super aggressive, right? That's obviously aggressive. But then there's like the subtle aggression that comes from the more quote unquote gentle practitioners. And I don't have anything against midwives personally, but I will say that some of the things that are done are still not so gentle or kind or natural. You can't call that natural. And so, no mother would do that to her own child. <laughs> right. or like rubbing the blanket or towel over their baby's face and head. Like, I'm like, can you just stop? Yeah. When I see it, I'm like, just stop. Like, and, give a second. There is a lot of research. And Dr. Niels Bergman is some, like, definitely one of my favorite. And I feel like someone who needs, like, his research just needs to be shouted from the rooftop. But he even talks about how neurologically like damaging that is to babies and how it elicits like a stress response and a despair response in these babies that have long-term impacts on their mental health even just like the roughness of the baby blankets that they have at the hospital um yeah. are like 
overly stimulating to these babies and too rough for their skin um, and is very, very uncomfortable for them. And yeah, like at the hospitals, because I, I attend like mostly hospital births, but like it, it definitely like, like I would say triggers me to no end when I'm like, oh my gosh, like just give the baby a second, like the babe, like give the baby a second. They give the baby like five seconds to make a noise and then they're just like, oh, we're going to go to the warmer. Yeah. And, 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 you know, take the baby away. And I'm just like, you guys don't even know what you're doing. Like, stop. <laughs> stop yeah, that's literally why I say it comes from a place of ignorance. Like, they literally do not know. And I don't mean it in an insulting way. It's like, it, it, once you've seen something, you can't unsee it. So, and, and it's not a special thing, right? That's where I try and... um teach to i try and teach people to understand that this is not something special there's nothing extraordinary that happens in unassisted birth that can't happen in every single birth there, the mom didn't do anything other than protect her space <laughs> like and that is literally the you want to make birth safe protect your space. Uh, that will make birth the most safe. And then beyond that, the idea that everyone is always going to live through birth is a fallacy. Like it's, it's just, you can't expect that. It doesn't happen in the hospital. It, it, you, you are blinded, like ignorant. Like <laughs> you can't, you can't think that way. Uh, we are so very privileged in our world today to not know as much death as in the past. Mm -hmm. And that is not <laughs> because of giving birth in a hospital. Right. Um, and so even the people who shout the numbers like, oh, you're whatever percent more likely to die giving birth in a hospital or, you know, the maternal mortality rate is so high. And yet we're still supporting this thing. <laughs> um, the maternal mortality rate is so high because you're trying so hard to avoid people dying. Like, I don't, this is coming out weird, but. <laughs> You have to accept certain things in order to trust that you'll be okay, right? You have to accept the possibility of death to trust that it's not going to happen, mm -hmm. if that makes sense, which it probably doesn't make sense to a lot of people. But if you if you think about it just a little bit longer. <laughs> yes. No, I think that definitely makes sense. I mean, there is, I, again, it comes from fear. And the fear contributes to the need to control, to avoid death. And, and then yes. you end up perpetuating everything exactly. you're trying to avoid. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, exactly. It's almost like when people try their hardest not to be exactly like their parents and out of fear of becoming their parents and then end up becoming their parents. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great analogy like that is a, a great analogy like trying so hard 
to avoid having this experience is gonna pretty much manifest that experience. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's been proven whether people want to acknowledge it has or not. <laughs> yeah, and I I mean, once once we really start, you know, when humans, we people, like, when we start just messing with the natural, uh, you know, the natural cause of things and, you know, I mean, obviously all of us want to live. And so like, you know, doing everything, like when when it presents itself that it's actually needed <laughs> and not really before that, um, I just, you know, I think once we start like just interrupting the natural cycle of different things, it just causes so much trouble for us humans. And we're starting to see a lot of the negative effects of us interrupting things and the long-term health it has on us. I think um, Dr. Nathan Riley, because he worked in that death uh, hospice type of arena, probably has a greater grasp on a lot of that part of it um, and how much you can still honor uh, death. And I think I do talk a good bit about that in different interviews and trainings that I've done because I, I really want people to understand that like it's not the worst thing. It seems like it, right? We're we're so scared. A lot of people that's their biggest fear is dying, right? And so then you live your life in fear of dying and then you're not really living your life <laughs> to the fullest because you're living your life in fear of dying. And so or you're making decisions based out of, you know, your fear of death. And so once you can accept um, that death is a possibility always, then you stop making so many decisions based in and revolving around that fear. And so when it comes to free birth and unassisted birth, I think that is the biggest fear that people have is like, I'm going to die. My baby's going to die. Valid. It's a valid fear, right? Can you not make your decision based in that? You can have a fear and not let it control you. Right. You can have a fear and not let it uh, make your decisions or um, you can have the fear and not let it be the reason why you choose X, Y, Z. Um, and I personally have faced death a number of times, uh, more than once, which is enough, <laughs> yeah. uh, personally and for my own child. And so when once you've gotten past that, I don't want to say like past it, like you've forgotten about it, but like you've experienced that, right? So close to that. You've talked about that. You've talked about yourself dying or you've almost died or your possibility of your child dying you accept it and realize that it's not in your control. It never is and it never will be. And to make your decisions around the, the most important day of your child's life. Uh, and I say that confidently after reading many things like Michelle O'Donnell's work, um, his book, The Scientification of Love, 
the the pregnancy and the birth of your child affects them their whole entire life in a major way it affects how they think and how they feel and so once you start messing with that and doing the things you're doing based in a place of fear and avoiding death and trying to control all of the things then you end up setting them up for things that you didn't even consider because you just didn't know <laughs> right yeah I, I mean that's such an uh, and that's kind of where i where i'm trying to get my work to go to is just how connected like we our bodies are literally set up for the next thing like you know, pregnancy prepares for birth, birth prepares for breastfeeding and postpartum. And then all of those things work together to impact the health of the mom, to impact the health of the baby, mental health, gut health, you know, all of these things um, are all connected. And actually, it's so funny that you kind of like brought this topic up because remember when I told you, I'm like, hold on, I need to write something down for <laughs> the workshop. Um, that I'm doing. But I, I wrote down, like, you know, people believe that all perinatal events are separate, but it's actually all connected. And that's what holistic health is about. Seeing yeah. everything as connected and breaking the cycle and balances the body and overall health. So that's what I wrote before. We <laughs> that is too funny. Yes. So I feel like this is important, an important discussion. And that was so deep. And um, I something that it, that needs to be said um it's it's the elephant in the room isn't it like yeah. no one talks about it but that yeah. is literally the elephant in the room you can talk about how beautiful your unassisted free birth was you can talk about how you had an orgasm or how it was pain-free and all these things but nobody wants to talk about like uh i was scared for my life at xyz point but also i will say after having two unassisted births that fear does not come up at least it didn't for me. My births were super boring. Uh, we finally got it on tape, on video, the second one, and my husband looks like he is watching somebody uh, give a lecture, and he pulls out his phone, and he's just like looking at his cuticles or something. He's so bored the whole time. And if you ask him, you know, what is birth like, he's like, uh, it's boring. <laughs> um, I don't know what else to say. So yeah. the fear, it, it didn't come up at all, like in anyone, because we decided that that wasn't going to be a thing. Right. Um, and, and then once you make that decision, you're like, oh, it's not necessary. Okay. And you can logically even prove it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you kind of realize, um, all this stuff is really unnecessary. All these ill feelings, all this anxiety, all this is just unnecessary and unproductive. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And um, then becomes counterintuitive. Right. And, you know, the opposite. You start doing the opposite of what needs to be done. Um, but yeah, holistically, when you, when you do look at things in a holistic manner, you see the bigger picture. You see the effects of everything on everyone yeah. <laughs> um i'm as a doula witnessing other families it's always so amazing to me like 
when you can get into into the the different experiences so supporting a hospital birth watching a man be completely emasculated by another man or woman doctor um told he can't do anything for his wife um to then seeing like a free birth where like the husband does everything or nothing right <laughs> and feels so confident and then how postpartum that affects the family right so you get into each and every aspect of that and you go wow we really messed up <laughs> we really messed this up like like humans western world modern technology like really messed things up for everyone the baby the mom the dad then it like everyone it just trickles down it trickles around and then you have all the issues yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the uh, we talk about like generational trauma. Uh, the scientific word for that would be epigenetics. <laughs> yeah, and when we kind of like step back and look at you know generational trauma and the epigenetics of the choices that we have made in the medical field, and we really see the impact, the negative impact that we've had and the outcomes of overall health. You know, and you know what really bothers me the most is. When people are just like, well, you know, I was separated. I didn't, my baby didn't do skin to skin and they're healthy or I didn't, you know, I didn't, I never breastfed and my baby's healthy. And I'm like, okay, so how are we defining healthy? Is that just alive? Is that what our basis of healthy is? It's just like, look, I'm alive and breathing. Yeah. They don't want, they don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Saying the quiet part out loud. Like nobody yeah. wants to say that. Like, okay, I'm healthy or we're fine. What does yeah. that mean? Right. We're <laughs> <laughs> fine up until what point? Like, and that's why, um, literally, if anybody wants to like understand the hormonal effects um, with studies to back it up, Michelle O'Donnell's work and the book specifically, The Scientification of Love, he talked about like how babies born of women who were abused e even just uh verbally abused i believe in their relationship those children were like i forget what the percent was higher of committing or attempting suicide as a teenager <laughs> and so you try and look for all these external factors that come up at the time of this child or this incident with this child or adolescent when really you could probably trace that back to their their mom's pregnancy and their yeah. the, their environment when they were born or in those very first few days of their life where this is the message that they're being told whether you uh intend it or not <laughs> yeah you know there's a research article and I, I i'll have to find it i don't even remember where i saw it um but i'm just gonna have to like do a deep dive but there's actually an, a research article that talks about how babies were born um one we all know that you know, the microbiome affects gut and mental mental health um and and can increase like risk of like anxiety and depression and things like that but how some babies were born and when we look at the suicides you know of how people committed suicides 
depending on the the way that they're born. So if they're they were done, they had a mechanical birth. They were more oh, likely to talking about, or if their umbilical cord was like around was wrapped their around their neck. Yeah, if the umbilical cord was wrapped around the neck. They were gonna hang themselves. It was like insane. I'm just like, oh, maybe and uh, maybe that was the thing that really got me into. <laughs> I mean, everything is so connected though. Like just like you wrote down, like it's literally all connected and you have to look at the big picture to be able to even try to make any type of change. And so even like in my work, I go, okay, I don't want to make decisions for people. I don't want to encourage people's decision this way or that way. But I do want each and every one of my clients to understand the decision that they're making, right? Understand that you are making this decision and I'm not saying this to scare you because it shouldn't scare you. You're making the decision. <laughs> You're making this decision. These are the outcomes that have been proven, right? So you'll want history to repeat itself or do you want to make a change? If you want, if you're cool with that, right? And you're like, yeah, I'm, I, I accept that. And, you know, I accept that for my family. I'm going to take that risk on uh, more power to you. But I can't consciously do that. And that's what led me to what some people call extreme, which is free birth, unassisted birth. It's just how it was meant to be. And people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that birth was meant to be the mom and her baby. Right. The dad can be supportive, but he's not necessary. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's necessary other than the mom and the baby. And you have every single thing inside of you to birth your baby safely, to know what to do. You, It's in you. You, you don't see somebody going over to the animal that comes out and is just laying there waiting for their mom to arouse them. Nobody's going and messing with them. The mom is like, I'm going to gather myself. Okay, that was intense. And now I'm going to address my child. And um, who was it that talked about that? In the very beginning of my career, <laughs> um, the video, I think you can probably still look it up, birth in the squatting position. It was like this person who wanted to see like what would happen if moms were not told what to do, um, not told position to get into, nobody's interfering, what would happen, right? So what would happen, what ended up happening is all these women got in this position, which was a squatting position to birth their babies. They birthed their babies and then they like let their baby fall on the soft surface, but they didn't address their baby immediately. They like gathered themselves, <laughs> came back into their body, right? <laughs> and was like, okay, now I'm gonna turn my baby over and make sure they're okay. And it's, I think that also stayed with me, right? When you see something like that and fully understand what's happening there, you say, oh, okay, that doesn't need to be messed with. <laughs> Nobody should bother that whole thing. There shouldn't be any single person there saying, do this, try that. Um, 
pick up your baby, touch your baby. Like every single voice outside of that mother's own head is an, an interruption of that process. And that's what I understood and caused or <laughs> influenced my decisions around my own births and why I can confidently support other women making that decision. Amazing, amazing. So I've got two questions for yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> so if a mom does want a free birth, is there anything she should do to prepare for one? And then my second question is, um, if a doula wanted to support an unassisted birth, what are your suggestions and tips for them? Okay, so preparing for a free birth or unassisted birth can look so very different for so many people, right? You can prepare by learning what birth is supposed to be, right? What is physiologic birth? If you learn truly what is physiologic birth, you will understand that there is nothing else necessary. <laughs> now, I would, I am inclined to say that every single woman who is pregnant, whose body has grown a baby naturally, there's, they don't need to do anything to prepare. They just need to birth their baby, right? That's what I'm inclined to say. But I know that that is not the case for most women. Most women are going to be coming into their pregnancy and their birth from a place of thinking that they need to do something. And so then, or fearing something. And so then you get into how does that fear affect your labor and your birth? So even if you don't do any preparations, but you're afraid of your baby's umbilical cord strangling them or something, now you're manifesting that. <laughs> you're, you're manifesting some complication, right? Or you're, so it's a really fine line there about preparation because technically you don't need to prepare, right? You just need to allow your body to birth your baby and that is what will happen. Um, but if you want to prepare, there are things that you can do. There are books you can read. Um, Home Birth on Your Own Terms by Heather Baker is amazing and very straightforward. The problem <laughs> is a lot of people aren't going to read. And that is a very sad problem that we have in our world and society. And um, I'm just going to plug myself. There will be a course coming. <laughs> a very straightforward course. Um, how to have a free birth. No woo. We're just straightforward. This is what needs to happen. Um, and at the, the end of the day, nothing needs to happen. Your body is going to birth your baby. And if you allow it, that is all the preparation you need to do. So whatever yeah. you need to do to allow your body to birth your baby, whether that is mentally getting past fears or anxieties or control, releasing control, sometimes that's all it is, whether it is really getting healthy, right? A lot of us think we're healthy. <laughs> Um, but really our diet is trash and we're not doing yes. that. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> sometimes the preparation is literally that. Are you eating? Mm -hmm. Are you well? Are yes. you eating nourishing foods? 
Um, sometimes the preparation is moving your body because our bodies are not meant to sit in chairs for eight to 10 hours a day. And so while I want to say, no, you don't have to prepare your body in any way. If you're doing everything opposite of what our bodies were meant to do or were, um, or have evolved to do, then you're kind of going against it. So you're preparing against your birth going smoothly without any intervention. Um, so that's where like p- position of baby and like you hear all those things when you're in doula trainings about OP babies and uh, the- <laughs> I actually heard a really interesting spin on that. I don't even know, maybe it was Kylie's podcast, but how your baby is only doing what they need to do to birth the best way, even in OP position. Yeah. Like for whatever reason, something's going on in your body where the baby being in an OP position is going to be the best place for them in that moment. Yeah. And also breech babies, right? Yeah. You want to turn the breech baby head down. And I'm like, you know, sometimes that baby need to be head up because they have a short cord and, for whatever reason, their cord didn't grow longer than what it is. And so they literally can't turn upside down. And so then you sign yourself up for this procedure that's going to manually turn your baby. And then you put everybody at risk for what? <sighs> because of ignorance. Because you didn't you didn't know that your baby could just be born in the safest way, intuitively or instinctually. So for preparation, that's what I would say. I would say really... Um, Take a good look at yourself (laughs) and be honest with yourself and say, okay, I have this fear. Let me work on that. Um, I have this issue in my diet. I I drink this really toxic drink constantly. It's going to cause issues in your labor or at the end of your pregnancy. The issues don't come out of thin air. Um, (laughs) Or you're not just unlucky, is what I like to say. Like you, yeah. I didn't get lucky. I made conscious decisions towards being a healthier person or being what my body needs me to be. If you're not moving, you need to move your body. Like I don't care what your number on your scale says, but if you don't move your body daily, like you're gonna have a harder labor. It's going to be harder on you. Um, so, and, and people don't like to hear a lot of this stuff because it's work or it could be work or you have to change and, or they feel it's shame, shame. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't subscribe to the idea that I could shame anyone. If you feel shame, that's a you problem. (laughs) If you feel shame by anything that I have said you should look in the mirror at that point. Um, Ask yourself why you feel shame or you think someone would feel shame. And then your second question was about doulas supporting free birth, right? Yes. Yes. I, I don't think all doulas should support free birth. (laughs) I don't think all doulas have the uh, capacity to trust a woman fully. Uh, and I don't think all doulas have the ability to sit down, shut up. <laughs> as harsh as that sounds, that sounds so harsh. But like, that's why I didn't have a doula at my birth. It was like, 
I would love somebody there to like help with like help my husband with the other kid or, you know, bring me some yummy foods that I know my husband isn't capable of making. <laughs> um, or, you know, give me that massage in a way that only another woman knows what is necessary, right? Uh, yeah. I, I would probably enjoy that, but I don't trust that another person would have the ability to just leave me alone if that's what I want mm -hmm. uh, and say nothing, right? And don't check on me because I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. and, and do you know how to be uh, a fly on the wall? Do you know how to be not in the room? Do you know, are you okay with... Uh, sitting downstairs while everything is happening upstairs and just waiting for someone to say that they, you know, have something for you to do or thank mm -hmm. you for coming. Here's the baby. Everyone's good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Could you help us clean up or are yeah. you okay with that? Are you okay with being just a cleaning lady at the end of the birth? And, you know, somehow your presence made that mom feel more comfortable. Um, are you okay with, or are you capable of holding space or maintaining energy or uh, are you capable of not bringing your own shit into this woman's home? <laughs> uh, I don't think, I don't think everyone is capable of doing that. I don't think everyone should. And if you're scared, that something's gonna happen, something's gonna go wrong. What if something goes wrong? What if she starts having a postpartum hemorrhage? Uh, what if I need to call 911? What if she tries to sue me? What if someone dies and then the state is pressing charges on me? And if all of those things are what you're thinking of when you think of supporting a free birth or unassisted birth, I would say probably you're not ready. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I don't say that naively, right? I know those things happen. Uh, well. The whole like legal thing where so that that hasn't happened to a doula ever so if that's a fear you can have a little bit of reassurance in that it has never happened to a doula um and the the, the problem is i i wanted to word this in a post recently and i couldn't ever figure out how to say it but i'm just gonna say it how i think it and <laughs> do with it what you will uh, it always looked weird every time I wrote it down, but the problem is, you know, nobody is studying or, you know, gathering statistics and data on free births. So you, there, there is no data about how many go completely fine versus something bad happened, right? We do know that with home births with a midwife, the majority of the transfers are non-emergent. Uh, it's not because she's bleeding out. It's not because um, somebody's near death. Uh, those aren't the reasons why people are transferring to the hospital in, in a home birth with a midwife. And so then you think, okay, well, maybe the midwife is stopping the postpartum hemorrhage. Maybe the postpartum hemorrhage would have never occurred <laughs> had nobody been there trying to check on stuff, right? So you you have to kind of walk it back, walk it back. And then say, okay, well, I, I uh, risk analysis here. Um, I can make a logical decision here. And also, the other part of that is your relationship 
with said client or potential client. Um, I'm not taking on any client who I don't feel connected to in some way. It is literally impossible to have a 30 minute interview with someone and then fully trust them. <laughs> so you need to spend time. You need to be able, if you're going to be a doula who's going to be supporting a free birth or unassisted birth, you need to build it into your business however you need to, to make it worth your time. You need to spend time. You need to know these people. You need to know this woman and this baby. Connect, touch her, like hold her. <laughs> like I just, those are the parts of me that can't really understand how doula work has gotten to where it has gotten where people think, oh, my doula came to my house. We sat down for two hours, two times. And now she's going to love me through my labor birth. <laughs> Like, if your girlfriend came to you and said, I had two dates with this guy, I'm totally in love with him. Like, I trust him with my life. You'll be like, are you insane? You can't marry a man you just met, quoted by Elsa. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know nothing of this yeah. person. You know nothing of their heart. And so um, I, I think um, that should be noted when it comes to supporting a free birth and unassisted birth and i i feel like i need to talk less and less about um legal ramifications and things when it comes to supporting free birth because at the end of the day the majority of the time i would say a good 90 something percent of the time everything's going to be fine and why are you concerned with being sued <laughs> Yeah. 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 That's, that's such, such a good point. And I, I kind of love your take on that. Um, and I, I, I definitely think that the doula world is <laughs> the doula world is, I don't even know if I turning on itself, I don't even know, but we're, we're having things come up like, uh, advocacy and, you know, not all doulas are advocates and, you know, not all doulas can support, a a free birth um and that's so important to know like who are you picking to support your birth and then who are you choosing you know to be in contact with as far as clients wise so that is definitely super important um yeah so thank you Aaliyah. this has been like really really insightful and um i definitely learned a lot and my perspective has changed i mean i feel like we have a lot of the same uh, ideas and come from the same place like leave the mom alone let the mom do whatever she needs to do and have a baby um but yeah free birth i it's not really talked about and you know we've addressed like big elephants in the room and and all those different things so i want to thank you for coming on my podcast and before we kind of end our discussion where can we find you online okay so aliyahwright.com is my website that I'm still building. Bear with me. I'm not a web designer. <laughs> it's A-L-I-A-W-R-I-G-H-T.com. And um, I am on Instagram at Aaliyah underscore does. 
And that's a whole nother story. But like it used to be Aaliyah underscore doula. It's Aaliyah underscore does D O E S. <laughs> and um, I mean, I'm on Facebook, uh, Aaliyah, right? But I mean, I have so many, I don't even know so many people on my Facebook. So, oh, how could I forget? The YouTube channel I started where we talking about birth and life and parenting and homeschooling and fun stuff is Aaliyah Wright also. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, Aaliyah, for joining me on the Birth Cafe podcast and sharing everything and all your knowledge. And I really appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Angel. This has been fun. I trust you relished this podcast as much as I delighted in crafting it. But remember, our journey together is far from its conclusion. Ensure you tap that notification bell to stay in the loop about upcoming episodes. Don't overlook the valuable resources waiting for you in the podcast description. Now, do you adore this podcast? Well, show your love by leaving a stellar five-star review. Spread the word across your social circles or even become a listener supporter, contributing financially to sustain my podcast existence. If a specific topic tickles your fancy or you aspire to be a guest on our show, don't hesitate to submit your ideas via the link in the podcast description. And now to all you incredible women who are expecting or planning to conceive, I'm well aware that fears around childbirth can be overwhelming. From concerns about hospital procedures to coping mechanisms during labor, I've got your back. What's even better, you can now access your free guide on mastering five techniques to conquer the fear of birth. As a bonus, discover a collection of mindfulness tools curated to quell anxiety and fear during pregnancy and childbirth. This guide's link awaits you in the podcast description. Live long, loud, and in prosperity, dear members of the Rebel Birth Crew. Until we cross paths again, thrive unapologetically. <laughs>